welcome to today's episode for people interested in the extraordinary, yet ancient and often long forgotten stuff. This is your host, Joseph Schinwald from ownbythebeach.com. Our guest today is Ellie Schocha. The topic today is spirituality and success. Hello, Ellie. So wonderful. Such an honor to have you on my show. Hi, Joseph. It's such an honor to be here on your show. Thank you so much for having it me. It is all the pleasure is all on my side. Your biography, Ellie, is you are a modern day Rumi. You are a serial entrepreneur mm-hmm. and the author, the author of the book, The 13th Planet. We'll talk a little bit about this during the show. And uh, you are the co-founder of Peace Unleashed. You are a TED ex-speaker mm-hmm. and the co-host of Unleash Your Peace podcast. Do your story a little bit. I hope also we talk a little bit during the interview. As the daughter of an international con man, Ellie moved 30 times and lived in refugee camps in Germany before immigrating to the United States at the age of 15. By the age of 12, Ellie was suffering from severe nervous tics, anger, and mood disorders, and suicidal ideation. What began as a personal healing journey turned into an 18-year deep dive into various modalities of psychology, philosophy, and spirituality. Ellie founded Peace Unleashed in order to share the inner peace strategies, tools, and processes that helped her become one of the most grounded and peaceful people living today. Ellie has been featured in various podcasts and publications, including Entrepreneur, Elite Daily, Authorized Magazine, and Thrive Global. Among her clients are A-list celebrities, influencers, and online personalities. She's a keynote speaker and has spoken at national and international conferences, including Borderless Content Congress, the Great American Pitch Fest, and Digital Hollywood. I probably uh, left a lot of things out from your bio, Ellie, but this is very, very impressive. Oh. Thank you. So we are having a dialogue, a a nice conversation for people to listen to and mostly for me to learn because you're just so already, you know, you're really very realized in the the pyramid of Maslow. (laughs) You're very on the top already. (laughs) So, um, you know, the topic today, spirituality and success. Why don't we start start with... uh, Spirituality for me, it is spirituality. It's just for me, it's like meditation because in meditation, I can get into myself. I don't have to be put in a box, right? Uh, how do you define what yeah. is it for you, meditation? Mm-hmm. Meditation, uh, Joseph, I think is one of the most misunderstood and undervalued tools that we have as humans at our disposal because human beings we're not 
just one thing. We're not these physical things. We are the human part of us is right. It's physical. It's living in the physical world. It's interacting with the physical world. It's limited by the physical, but by the physicality. But then there's a part of us that is greater. It's the energy that occupies the physical form. And that part of us can experience things that are not tangible, things like love and hope and connection and feeling somebody else's emotions, you know, when they are in your proximity. These things are phenomena that we tap into when we connect with ourselves. Meditation, what meditation does is it is a tool. It helps us quiet the chatter inside of our minds, which is linked to the left side of our brain, the logical side of our brain that it thinks in a linear way, keeps time of everything, keeps track of all the physical world stuff, right? So it quiets that constant monkey mind chatter so that we can activate all of our brain, the rest of our brain, the right side of the brain that taps into the here and now that connects us to our emotions, that allows us to experience uh, the world uh, with this wider lens, right? So it's very physiological, this meditation thing. And science is actually showing us that when we meditate just a few minutes a day consistently, we start changing the physiology of our brains. We start changing the physiology of our hearts. Uh, our heart goes into coherence, for example. That's one of the things that happens. Our brain, uh, we start building more gray matter. Our amygdala shrinks. So amygdala, your stress center of your brain physically shrinks. The gray matter, the part of your brain that allows you to make connections and solve problems expands. So there are physical things, physical changes that are taking place within us as we meditate. But why is it that most people have a hard time meditating? Most people will come to me and say, well, I tried that. It didn't work. I can't quiet my mind. My mind is just racing all the time. And that's because we have all these misconceptions about what meditation is. People think that they're supposed to sit in some place place, maybe on top of a mountain and uh, not think about anything. And that's not, I mean, that's not even possible because your brain is literally its function is to think you are going to have thoughts. You have 30 to 50,000 thoughts every single day. So those thoughts are going to come. So if uh, not thinking is not the purpose of meditation, what then is the purpose of meditation? You know, how does it work? And I, I've kind of figured out a very simple way of explaining this that, that has been making sense to a lot of our clients. So meditation, think of it as a gym for your mind. Think of it as mind training. And what happens in meditation is you limit stimuli coming in. That's why we close our eyes. You can meditate with your eyes open, uh, but then you have to deal with whatever stimuli is coming through your eyes. You can meditate in a room that has a lot of noise, but then you have to deal with the sounds that are coming into you. So you want to limit the stimuli as much as possible. That's why we find a quiet room. We close our eyes and we also set a timer because I don't want to be thinking 
how long have I been sitting here? I'm not, uh, you know, I need to go check on that tea or that uh, food I put in the oven or whoever's coming over. I don't want to think about that stuff. So I want to set a timer, even if it is for two minutes or five minutes. So I'm, so I'm limiting the stimuli coming in. So then what happens? I give my mind a task. I decide on a home base for my mind to focus on. And that home base can be anything. It can be the breath going in and out of my nostrils. It can be the sound of music. If I want to meditate to music, it can be a mantra, a phrase that I repeat to myself over and over. It doesn't matter what the home base is. The point of the base is you tell your mind for these five minutes, for these two minutes that I'm sitting here with my eyes closed and, and, uh, and just focusing my mind, my task, the task of my brain is to focus entirely on this thing that I have predetermined. So let's say my home base is my breath going in and out of my nostrils. The job of my brain during these two minutes, during these five minutes is to focus on my breath going in. That's it. Thoughts are going to come. You're going to think because your brain is designed to think. But here's the magic of meditation. You have thoughts, your mind starts to wander. You're thinking about what happened in third grade that upset you so much. And all of a sudden you come to your senses and you're like, oh, wow, I am thinking. I am thinking about what happened in third grade. Powerful moment. Because in that moment, this is why meditation is a a gym for your mind. Because in that moment, you have separated yourself from the thought. You have become the awareness that acknowledges that you are thinking about a subject. So therefore, you can no longer be that thought itself. So therefore, you become the consciousness. You're separating that human, the physical part of yourself from the consciousness, that awareness part of yourself. So now now what? Remember, your task is to come back to your home base. Now in meditation, you can say, hey, my home base was my breath. I'm going to let this thought go And I'm going to come back, focus on my breath. Your mind can't consciously focus on two things at the same time. You can't be in the here and now and focus on your breath and also simultaneously be in your third grade class. So in meditation, you have an option. You can have a choice of choosing which one you want to focus on because we're meditating, you come back to your breath. That is like one push up for your brain. Why is it powerful? Because, well, if you do that in meditation three times, four times, you are building the muscle inside your brain of recognizing that you are thinking, releasing the thought, and then consciously and deliberately bringing your attention into a place of your choosing. So then when you're going through your life and a thought pops up, and hijacks you, that is not feeling very good, you are more likely to come to your senses in the middle of that experience and say, wow, look, I am thinking about this thing and I'm thinking about it in a way that is making me feel terrible about myself. Let me release that thought 
and let me choose what I want to focus on next. So that is the absolute definition of becoming a deliberate liver of life and a deliberate creator of the life experiences that we want to live. Yes, that is beautiful. I can clearly see how well you define meditation. Even, you know, I, I would agree 100% that uh, thoughts, they are just like within your consciousness. They are not your consciousness. Mm -hmm. They come and go. Who you are is your consciousness. And even that, you know, I mean, it's just a word in a sense, you know, uh, words are a map of reality. And as you said, left brain and right brain mm -hmm. uh, consciousness, you know, right now in my mind on the left brain in my linguistic department, a uh, department, you know, it's not, it's just a map. Consciousness is much more. And, uh, and then it goes probably elsewhere, but uh, you know, void, whatever the Buddhists say, what is interesting here is that, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, which I really loved the, the books I read recently, because he doesn't talk about religions. He doesn't, he, he sees the whole thing very scientifically, but he does go into sometimes into definitions from religions. Like he made, he, he defines meditation as the Tibetan Buddhists define it. And he says they define it. And that's what I like. He said it's his best definition. It's uh, to familiarize yourself with yourself mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and to become familiar with yourself you have to become familiar with your thought patterns because a lot of people as you said joseph falsely assume that they are their thoughts just because a thought is present in my mind it is the reality of this moment it is the reality of who i am and and i cannot change it because i'm just at the mercy of these thoughts and nothing could be farther from the actual truth which is your thoughts are here one moment they're fleeting they're gone the next moment you can literally change what you think on a subject uh, based on what you want to feel on that subject. And, and you have that control, you have that ability and do, that possibility exists for every single person. And meditation helps us uh, practice exactly that, practice becoming aware, releasing the thought, choosing something to focus on that makes us feel better. Yes, Ellie. I agree 100%. It's, I think the worst thought is the one we identify with because uh, the ego, you know, I mean, uh, it's an, mm. it's, it's the unrealness of it. Yet it is not a bad thing. I like the ego. I like my roles, particularly when you go into business and you have your roles, you know, or you have many roles in life. And they are real in a sense, but they are not you. You are, it's like a chess game. There are the pieces of the chess. You're the player. You're not the chess pieces. And so I feel yeah. like, you know, it's so wonderful. What an amazing analogy. What an amazing analogy. You are the player. You're not the pieces of the chess. Beautiful. It is taken from Hinduism. And they have beautiful analogies yeah. in Hinduism, yes. And uh, I would say, you know, I think just like you said, it is, to really operate well in life, to have uh, 
to have that kind of experience you want to have, because that's why we are here. We are here to have a beautiful experience. Then we have to really separate ourselves from the thoughts so we can actually choose them because we are free, as you said, to mm. choose them. And uh, sometimes, you know, even our yeah. innermost thoughts, if you really think about it, Ellie, I mean, when we grow up as children, I mean, um, how can mm -hmm. we say that language is ours? I mean, they're both all given to us. It's beautiful. We can communicate, but it's mm -hmm. not like, you know, the words, the grammar. That's how we think also. We think very much mm -hmm. like language, but that's really some, some gift from others, which we were presented. We don't have to identify with it as this is our true being. This is ourself. Yeah. 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 And we are so powerful. We're, we're such powerful beings. And I think how readily language is available in our lives and how easily we translate thoughts into language uh, is, is wonderful. And I can see it is also a little bit dangerous um, it also creates this upside down world where we now then all of a sudden believe uh, whatever we have put into yeah. language, not realizing that uh, the, the uh, you know, like it's so easy for us to manifest thoughts and images into language. You know, and then when you give it that life, when when it builds that momentum and it becomes language, it becomes something more physical. It becomes something more real, and then it becomes harder to to break it down. And that's why uh, it's so uh, important for us to speak things into reality, into being that uh, that are empowering to us. Uh, I have in my um, deck, your heart knows the way there's a card that literally says uh, your words are seeds, plant a garden wherever you go, right? Because if your words are seeds, you can also plant weeds wherever you go. You can also plant thorns wherever you go. It's you have to be deliberate about which seeds you are planting and plant fruit, plant beautiful flowers, you know, and, and that's, that's an analogy to say, speak only of things that are beautiful, that are empowering. If there's something that makes you feel bad, especially about yourself or others, don't speak them into reality with your words. You know, there's, you don't have to give them more power. You can find something empowering and beautiful and positive to focus on and speak and amplify with your powerful voice. Yes, Ellie, such such a such a wonderful way to explain this. I think often, you know, the words or the language, as beautiful as it is, but it's always a map of what is. And if we go with this kind of map, with the wrong map, if we go with the wrong map on a discovery trip on a tropical island, you know. We go there and we go in the forest, in the jungle, whatever, where we might find beautiful pyramids and all kinds of uh, wonderful birds and whatever you have in this nature. But it, it's important that this actually map for us humans, it does represent 
reality. Mm-hmm. And we cannot avoid it. We cannot avoid it. We get to a point in meditation yeah. where we can say, okay, this is now it without words. That's great. But most of the time, when we live in our lives, we always live according with our maps. And and the way our maps is, mm-hmm. our perception is so related with it. And so what you just said, you know, and you are very advanced in this. And I would love to uh, know more, uh, dig deeper into it. Because when we talk about our spiritual and success topic, <clears throat> spiritual mm-hmm. and success, it's, for me, it's a middling world. There is this duality. I don't have anything to do with it, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yin and yang. The yin is the sunny side. The yang is the shadow side of the mountain. That's literally how it is translated from Taoism. And yeah. you look at spiritual and success. What is it other than yin and yang? What is it other than the sunny and the shadow side of the mountain? Again, why do we separate it so much? Why do we say this is spirituality and this is success? Why can't we combine it, mm-hmm. make peace with it, and 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 live a fulfilled life where we are spiritually fulfilled? Like in Abraham Maslow's uh, pyramid, right, on top, while we also have all of the other needs, uh, psychological needs and physical needs, in a way, in a way, mm-hmm. manifesting in our life that we can be truly, yeah. that we can feel ourselves. It's really that, that we can feel ourselves. I am doing this right. I'm doing mm-hmm. this life. I'm doing it right. It doesn't matter what others think, because really others have their own values. And I have to, I have to uh, yeah. honor my own values, and they are different. So my question here mm-hmm. is, how can we harmonize within ourselves, referring to ourselves, this topic of spirituality and success? By success comes with manifestation. So what what is manifested? Mm-hmm. How do we translate this? This oneness which we are into the duality of life, you know, that's the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's such an interesting question, uh, Joseph, because in it, I believe, is one of the um, the things that turns our world upside down. You know, and I, I believe we live in an upside down world, which basically means we are living. Uh, not in harmony with who we actually are and what we actually are. And, and we have turned uh, the, the, our own personal realities on its head. We're living actually in ways that are unnatural mm-hmm. for us. And this division we've created between spirituality and success speaks to that. It speaks to the unnaturalness of how how we actually are and what we're supposed to be living because our natural state of being is one of success. Our natural state of being is one of absolute abundance. We are creators. The energy that literally creates worlds flows through us and we can manifest with the power of our imagination. This is what we are. But when we tell ourselves that if I have too much, 
there's something wrong with me. Money is the root of all evil. Uh, you know, uh, the, and on all of these stories around success that are not in alignment with spirituality. If you're truly spiritual, you cannot be materialistic. When we tell ourselves these false stories, we turn our natural state of being on its head. And we live in ways that are unnatural to our essence, to our very essence, because look around at the world. The world exists in abundance. When you see flowers, you don't see one flower popping up here and then feeling guilty about being too beautiful. You see a field of flowers. You see fields of trees, animals move in packs. There's when there is health, there is abundance and it's abundance of everything, right? It's abundance of beauty. It's abundance of, of food. It's abundance of water. It's abundance of everything around us. And as human beings, we are abundant beings. When we see a child who wants something, they never think to themselves, oh, maybe I don't deserve that. You know, maybe I don't deserve that toy. Maybe I'm too selfish if I want a bicycle for my birthday. You know, no, they, I want a bicycle for my birthday. And then the child goes off and starts becoming really excited about all the things he's going to do with that bike and then all the places he's going to go and and uh, he's going to get his friends to get bikes so they can go out and on adventures together right so the child doesn't put those limitations on himself we learn in time that oh maybe i shouldn't be too happy because other people are might might get jealous as if my happiness will make somebody else sad, right? As if those are connected like that. I love what Abraham Hicks says. She says, you cannot get sick enough for other people to become healthy. You cannot become poor enough for other people to become wealthy, right? Our wealth and our happiness is our birthright. Abundance is our birthright. When we live in a spiritual way, which means when we are connected to the spirit within ourselves, we are connecting to the unlimited abundance of us. And unless we put a lid on it and say, well, you know what, being spiritual is not the same as being, you know, like I can't be spiritual and successful at the same time, like unless I actually create that belief within myself. If I am spiritual, if I'm connected to the spiritual spirit within me, I am going to find abundance. I am going to find success because the, the higher I vibrate, the more connected I am to myself, the more I am going to attract abundance of every kind into my life. Then my task becomes to receive it when it comes, receive it when it comes. Don't throw it back and say, no, 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 I could never, I could never accept that because that would make me selfish. That would make me, you know, like one of those uh, rich people who doesn't care about, you know, others, you know, those are the things that are keeping spiritual people from, from, accepting and receiving the abundance and the success that is literally their birthright. Beautiful. Beautiful. 
I think what I would like to add here, or you know, I mean, I really, mm -hmm. I really, I'm fascinated with what you just said. Uh, I, I was thinking about suchness, you know, suchness. That's the way we are. How mm -hmm. it is explained uh, in the different wisdom traditions, like when you look at the words, like uh, Ellen Watts once said, you know, Tao, the Jing, Tao. What is the meaning of Tao? It's like mm. the baby says, ta, 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 you know, and then ta, ta, ta. Mm. That is the word for suchness from Buddhism. Now think about it. Again, this is from Ellen Watts now. The baby says, ta, 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 you know. And, and you know, mm -hmm. I, I, just, I think about this right now because, you know, I don't think like uh, Chuangzu from, a, you know, ancient Chinese uh, tradition, Chuangzu, He would say, you know, things like, it's 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 unfathomable. You cannot really, and the Buddha the same way, they didn't really go so deep in the course, into the course of things. Why is this world like this? Why I am thinking wrong here? Why I'm sabotaging self, mm -hmm. sabotaging myself? Where does this come from? You cannot go there because it's going to nowhere out in this universe. Why is the world like this? Why are we... Uh, suffering, why are we not really so uh, functioning that this is just pure heaven in us, you know? Uh, why do we always mm -hmm. uh, choose between this and that? And why do we identify with the wrong things? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it is the only way out is again for me always to see the world as a, a world which is a middling world. There's The duality, which is beautiful, without the duality, nothing would exist. On the other hand, yeah, if you get stuck in the duality, if you get into this or that politically, you know, or wherever you want to go, uh, mm -hmm. money or no money, you can divide everything in this world. And if you identify with one side, mm -hmm. you are going to suffer. If you see the world yeah. as a middling world and you are just experiencing it, it as it, the way it is, and you're not identifying with the two sides, but you say, like water, I will be like water, typically Taoist uh, metaphor, and you're going through it, and you're making the best out of it. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, my, it's my addition to this. Of course, what you said is, mm -hmm. is, uh, is much deeper because these are things which uh, people who are very much into wisdom tradition or religions or philosophy do not really realize often because it is such a great potential, this suchness, this, this it, what we are. Mm. Some people say uh, we are a trillion ways the universe looks at itself. So, you know, the Hindus say Tatvam Asi. Mm. They say you are it because the, like the Buddhists uh, coming from Hinduism, you know, they say, You're, you're nothing, but you're also everything. It's like it's 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 like you mm -hmm. know we are too small. We think we again we have a map. We're human beings, and I is a very small person. This is our map, but the reality is not like this. But on the other hand, you cannot say I'm the king mm -hmm. of the universe only because you're the queen of the universe. I'm the king of the universe because at the same time, without the universe, without our parents without the air, without the mountains, without the sun, without our legs, whatever have you, we are nothing, right? 
<laughs> so we are interconnected. Well, we are, we are, we are energy, and energy doesn't, um, and energy cannot be created. It cannot be destroyed, and that's the thing. We are, we are everything. We are all of it. We are energy, and we are individualized in these physical forms. This, the physical body, the human is energy experiencing itself in physicality. And that is really amazing because imagine for a moment what we are when we are not in a physical form. We are literally energy, right? So we are this, uh, this ball of consciousness that is omniscient, that knows everything, understands everything, uh, is the energy that vibrates uh, the closest thing we can experience in our physical bodies that, that give us that energy, that, that feeling of what we actually are is uh, bliss, is absolute happiness, right? So you can experience it when you're in love. You know, love is not an emotion. It's, it is our essence. So, so we are this omniscient, a consciousness that can be and do and have anything it wants. But in being all things and everything and, and instantly creating everything, what is the fun in that? It's not wow. that much fun yeah, yeah. if you can instantly think of something yes, yes. And, and poof, it's done. Why do we come into the physical body? We come into the physical body because of its limitations. Because now I'm not perceiving trillions of uh, information that's around me instantly and understanding all of it, understanding everything about the universe in an instant and knowing everything. I am limited by my senses. Everything filters in through my ears, through my eyes, through my touch, through my nose. And now I can create a hierarchy of experiences that I want to feel in this physical form, right? So now I, I, I can interact with information, with vibration, with energy that surrounds me in a new way. I can build relationships with it because I'm not receiving all of it at once and knowing all of it instantly and creating all of it instantly. I am limited and the limitations are beautiful. So then we are in this, on this planet, earth, which has a lot of contrast. What do I mean by contrast? We don't have um, two genders. We have like every day there's new genders popping up. We don't have, uh, you know, hair, hair color and texture and style. How many people do you have with your exact hair color, texture, and style? I would guess no one. We have as many uh, hair colors as yes. there are people, <laughs> you know, like variations mm -hmm. as there are people. If you walk down the street, Joseph, and you saw somebody wearing the exact shirt you're wearing, you would stop and you'd be like, oh, I have that shirt. Isn't that weird that you would notice it? There are so many people on the planet, so many items of clothing, so many different types of shirts, but 
like billions, billions, right? But you would be surprised if somebody owns an item that you own. That's how much variety is in the world. And why? Why do we have so much contrast, so much variety? It's not to go around and say, hey, I am right. Everybody should believe like me. No, the variety is there again for our advantage. It is there to show us what we don't like about the world around us so that we can more clearly and more um, you know, precisely define what we want, what we want to experience in this physical world. The variety is our gift, right? It's a, it's a gift for us that we have given to ourselves. We come to this planet in particular because of all of the variety that, that there is variety in vegetation, variety in experiences. There are people who live in the poles, you know, where it's like super cold. There are people who live in the deserts. There are people who live in jungles. There are people who swim across oceans. You know, there are people who climb, uh, you know, the highest mountains. We live for the variety and the variety allows us to really build this unique experience of, of being physical, of being alive. And I think that's marvelous. That's absolutely marvelous. I don't know. I, I went, I feel like I went on a no, little I, bit of a tangent. I, no, I, I went with you. Did I or did I? Went, I? I went with you. And <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, I think we are not so different than we sometimes think or so unique because ultimately when you go into the world religions or particularly world traditions, it's all about the self and the self cannot be so different. But then yeah. you, you mentioned something which is so interesting because, you know, at the same time, when we come into this world, we are born in a certain time and we come in a certain mm -hmm. place. So we are time and space event. And now at my age, over 60, I'm thinking back and, you know, I know why I'm different because, because of my time space, I have had very different experiences. And that's what I thought, right? And then I also thought about this other thing, which was while you, while you were explaining, there is this definition somebody told me, a friend of mine, uh, she said, the universe is irresistibly attracted to itself, irresistibly attracted to mm -hmm. itself. So then you go in nature yeah. and you see all these flowers and you see all the insects and you see the birds. And you know what? It's true. The universe is irresistibly attracted to itself. But in order to have this world, what people call creation, some, you know, and others don't, doesn't matter. Uh, it's mm -hmm. different maps, but it's really there the multiplicity comes from this duality duality creates multiplicity and at the same time there's this oneness mm -hmm. just think about the h2o molecule there is this oxygen something is missing in it right something is missing it, it whirls around whirls around the h2 has it well then they get together oneness but at the same time their duality, their separateness. And what is separateness? Just like with human beings. One has something, the other one doesn't. You know, like in flowers, you know, and uh, insects. Mm -hmm. One has something, the other one doesn't, right? And that is just um, 
a miracle. You know what? Before we actually go further, I would like you to, to speak a little bit. We don't have so much time anymore. Another five minutes. Uh, you also wrote a really nice book, mm-hmm. The 13th Planet. And it has incredible, yes. a lot of ratings. And, you know, it's a little bit futuristic. I'd love to know a little bit about it. Can you explain it to our audience? Yeah. So, absolutely. So, The 13th Planet is a science fiction novel. And uh, it is set in present day. I call it kind of soft sci-fi because it um, it takes place in present day. Uh, things that happen could happen. Uh, but what in this in this novel, aliens have been living among us for about 3,000 years. And their job has been to help Earth awaken. And uh, in this universe, planets do this evolutionary thing called awakening, uh, which basically means the planets are alive. They have consciousness and uh, life evolves on planets in order to facilitate awakening, in order to create a sentient being that eventually can sync with the mind of the planet itself. And when that awakening happens, uh, that is essentially the the next phase in the planet's uh, evolution. So the planet then suddenly has a voice. It can communicate through those beings. um, And on Earth, those beings would be the humans. And uh, something in the universe has threatened Earth's ability to actually awaken. And they sent guardians to living among us. And um, at the beginning of the book, one of these aliens discovers a plot to essentially destroy Earth, which which would sabotage their their plan. And she doesn't know why uh, this is happening and or who's behind it. So then we follow the journey of uh, of her trying to solve that mystery and um, and see if uh, they can save planet Earth from from destruction. So that is the story. You can see there's some spiritual undertones to it. uh, And it it was something that just came to me a few uh, about a decade ago. And and I went back and forth trying to write it and and finally was able to pull it together and uh, put it out into the world. And I'm very proud of it. It's very timely. And uh, if your audience wants to hear me read chapters from it, I've been reading chapters from it on Instagram and also on we have to get there. Facebook. We have to get to your website and, uh, and I will let you talk because about it because my Austrian accent sometimes with URLs, it's a little bit too heavy. Uh, but, you know, fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> and all in the realm of possibilities. All in the realm of possibilities. Absolutely. So would you, um, in the last minutes we have, yeah. because... You have an appointment uh, soon, and uh, would you uh, explain a little bit about your website? Mention the URL and the courses. You have courses there, meditation and and other other courses and manifestations yeah. and 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 very interesting things. Yeah. So we during the pandemic, we there were some courses that we taught very regularly in person, and one of them was our meditation masterclass. And and during the pandemic, we were able to record it and put it on our website, which is peaceunleashed.com. So that's uh, that's a if you're if the meditation portion of this conversation really 
helped you or opened your eyes or made you curious about, okay, how do I do it? That masterclass basically covers everything and uh, all the science behind it and gives you free meditations uh, to get started right away. And <clears throat> we, uh, you can always reach out to us through Peace Unleashed as well, if, if there's anything else uh, that we can help you with. Uh, we did have a, 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 a workshop on manifestation hacks. That one we have not recorded, but if, uh, if you want it for any event that you're hosting, we're happy to do that in person as well. Very nice. So yeah. these uh, URLs will be in the show notes. Also, the link to your book. Mm -hmm. And the last thing was uh, you have such a card deck. Explain a little bit about that because I'm fascinated with mm -hmm. the I Ching, you know, and I, I just, I'm fascinated that uh, mm -hmm. somebody yeah. can actually get meaning out of something like the I Ching uh, of this, all these combinations in the moment because it's just like life. I mean, when I get up in the morning, when I get up in the yeah. morning, there's uh, everything's possible, right? Everything's possible. Yeah. I mean, if, if you want, we can actually pull a card from Your Heart Knows the Way. Would you like to Please pull a card? Do, real yeah. Quick? I love um, that. Yeah. For your that. audience, Joseph. So this is a this is a deck of cards uh that, that I published um last year. And they're 52 cards, they're really beautiful, they feature really stunning paintings. And uh, the card is uh, inspired by the Rumi quote that says, your task is not to seek for love, but to seek and remove all the Beautiful. barriers against it. And uh, every card is, is uh, connected to something that we are doing to keep that love from flowing mm -hmm. through our heart and then gives you mm -hmm. a way to open, mm -hmm. uh, unplug. So we'll, we'll pull a card. If you're listening to this, you know, you're probably meant to, here oh and the card just flew out That's... and uh it's okay. you uh, this are one. you are okay. already whole and uh and i can please, read this please. for you real quick if you don't mind in the last few minutes that we have you are already whole uh, extended quote is how free you are the moment you realize that there is nothing for you to do other than to be when you finally say, I already am, who are you? Are you the sum of your experiences? Are you the childhood you lived? Are you the beliefs you hold? Are you the grudges you keep? Are you the education you received? Are you your fears, your traumas, your thoughts, or your beliefs? You think that you need to fill the space after I am with needless labels, but you don't realize that every label you've placed after these words is keeping you stuck. You keep yourself small with your definition of self and you stifle your own growth. This card asks you to release all the labels you think define you. Stop defending your greatness and realize that you already are. The ocean does not need to prove its vastness with words. Ask yourself, how would I feel if I was already whole and already worthy? And allow yourself to settle into a deep knowing that you already are everything you wish to be. That is so amazing. 
And it, this is beautiful. I will have to get that. I feel like it was the perfect part for all. <laughs> no, I really love I love the way you are doing uh, things like, you know, in ancient times uh, when Rome was still alive. You know? Mm. And, uh, well, you know, I'm so privileged and I'm so honored to have you on this podcast. And we have to part now. Uh, so uh, yeah. I will... Uh, just end it one more time saying actually in the recap of the show with the bullet points are all the show uh, this is all the links mentioned here will be in the show notes on om by the beach.com mm -hmm. so thank you very much ellie for being here thank you thank you so much joseph it was such a pleasure to be here thank you for having me on the show and you're you are a wonderful human and interviewer and it was such an honor thank you Ellie. thank you so i thank you also the listeners for joining us today and if you like this podcast please subscribe to have you here again for our next episode so this is your host joseph shinwald thank you and goodbye until we meet again